0: How does one teacher move from being a grade three teacher to the executive director for all independent schools in Ontario? Today, I talk to Sarah Craig about this question and what she's getting excited about in schools today. I'm your host, Celeste Kirsch, and we are teaching tomorrow. Sarah Craig's title is the Executive Director for the Conference of Independent Schools in Ontario. While she helps teachers engage in meaningful professional learning and unite students through engaging festivals and friendly competition, Sarah Craig is also in the unique position to know many, many schools well and look at the trends of what's happening in the province. If you already know Sarah, it will come as no surprise that she is an overwhelmingly positive, supportive, and dynamic leader in the world of education. When I approached her about this podcast project, she responded with resounding excitement and essentially just said, what do you need? Sarah through CIS Ontario is one of the main reasons why the podcast exists. So it is an honor and a treat to get to include her voice on the show. In this conversation, we touch on wellness, student empowerment, what meaningful professional development looks like, and dish on some highlights of what's happening in a few member schools. Will your school get a shout out? Stay listening to find out. Craig welcome to the podcast. Thank you Celeste, I'm thrilled to be here. Well you are partially responsible for this thing actually happening so (laughs) it is an honor to get to sit across from you and talk to you.
1: Thank you so much.
0: Um, Let's just start by introducing you to everyone so why don't you tell everyone who
1: you are, where you're from and what you do. So my name is Sarah Craig, I am the Executive Director of CIS Ontario which is the Conference of Independent Schools of Ontario. I am currently from Toronto uh, and live in Toronto, but originally I'm from Eastern Ontario. Where Eastern Ontario? I was born in Brockville.
0: I'm from Belleville. (laughs) Oh my gosh.
1: We are like kindred
0: spirits. (laughs) (laughs) No, Brockville, Belleville. We're basically like very similar small towns.
1: Absolutely. So right on the St. Lawrence River in the Thousand Islands. And uh, I grew up there, went to elementary school and high school there, and, uh, and then uh, made my way to university, became a teacher, and went overseas and started my career overseas. Um, and then eventually came back and settled in Toronto.
0: And you were in Morocco, right? I was.
1: So my first uh, teaching position was at the Rabat American School in Robot, Morocco. Robot's the capital of Morocco. And I started there in uh, 1994 as a, an intern. I came from the education program at Queen's University. And uh, during that first few months as an intern, um, I got really excited about what the school was doing. It was um, an international baccalaureate school. It was about 450 students from uh, pre-K or JK to grade 12. And uh, then around Christmas time, they offered me a full-time teaching position contract for the following school year teaching second grade. So I ended up staying for a total of five years. Wow. Until 1999. Uh, I ended up staying for five it was a mm. little longer than most. Um, and then I came back to Toronto, where I uh, was employed at Upper Canada College. And how long? Okay, so now school. the whole history of your <laughs> yeah. professional life. Yes. Um, so what made you come back to Canada? So a lot of different things, uh, family, friends. Um, I did look at other opportunities to stay overseas, um, but I felt like I had exhausted my time living in North Africa, I'd traveled everywhere in Morocco and the surrounding countries, and was really looking for you know, new challenges and a larger school, Um, so at that time, um, I was looking at options actually in the UK as well as, uh, Canada. And it just so happened that there was a position that opened up at Upper Canada teaching grade three, which was uh, a good fit for me. And that's where I
0: went. So how do you go from being a grade three teacher at Upper Canada College to the head of the junior school at Branksome Hall? Because I'm endlessly fascinated by how people take that leap from being, I assume, a fantastic classroom teacher, into running an entire school?
1: Well, I always had aspirations for educational leadership, just right from the beginning of my career. Um, Prior to becoming a teacher, um, I had had been involved in summer camps and worked in aquatics at the local pool when I was in high school. And I had always held roles of leadership in sort of teaching, teaching swimming, mm-hmm. camp counseling, running uh, aquatics for my for a summer camp. So I knew that, uh, that leadership was something I was interested in. So in my five years in Morocco, I got involved in a lot of uh, leadership opportunities, even as a beginning teacher. So when I came to Upper Canada, Um, I was very fortunate to uh, have a head of school the first year who was very supportive of of me and my career, Hamish Simpson. He had been at uh, at the prep at Upper Canada for a long time and he uh, he was retiring after that first year but he appointed me uh, to run the after-school programming Mm -hmm. for the following year and that was a great learning opportunity for me because The after-school program at Upper Canada was very comprehensive. It involved after-school care, but also all the clubs and programs and activities. Uh, So I was able to sort of run almost a little mini-school within the school, Mm. school. after-school. And I did that for a couple of years. Um, And I also, in that time period, became um, the Curriculum Coordinator for the International Baccalaureate Primary Years Program. And at that time, the school was in the process of becoming authorized Mm -hmm. to deliver that program. So when I first took on that role, I was still teaching part-time in the classroom, and then uh, I became more of an administrator um, in my last couple of years at Upper Canada.
0: So are you asking your leaders of your school for these kinds of opportunities? Because you know that you eventually want to grow into a
1: bigger role. I think a combination. I think that, as I mentioned, you know, Hamish, I think saw some leadership op- uh, opportunities to me and actually offered me that first mm-hmm. leadership role. And then the my next head of school in at the prep was Steve Johnson, and he um, also sort of I think recognized that I had cr- uh, some leadership qualities in the area of curriculum so uh, when the opportunity came up to have uh, to fill the PYP coordinator role um, I was able to take that role on as well Um, and then he was very supportive of me when I decided to switch schools because an opportunity came up at Branksome Hall girls school um, to be both the assistant head of their junior school and the IB PYP coordinator Mm -hmm. and so that role was full-time administration so I was I was definitely ready for that change Um, and that was 2005 when I made that move so I spent six years at the prep at Upper Canada and then went over to that role at Branksome.
0: And now you find yourself as the executive director of all independent schools in Ontario which is it's a really big deal, and correct me if I'm wrong, is your job essentially like a superintendent for independent schools for those people who are maybe out of the independent world scene?
1: Well, it's a, it's a little bit different, and what's interesting about Ontario is we have a lot of institutions that are K-12 that deliver private or independent education. Um, I think somewhere in the neighborhood of at least 11 or 1,200 uh, K-12 registered schools. Wow. In CIS Ontario, we represent just 48 member schools and 45 of those are actually in this province. Mm -hmm. We have three out of province member schools. So our 45 schools are somewhat unique In that they really identify as truly independent Um, the schools uh, uh, we have requirements around their governance structure that they must have arms-length governance with a board of directors um, that is not involved in the daily operations of the school but rather setting the strategic direction Mm -hmm. and maintaining the fiscal health and sustainability of the schools Um, and we also um, work with our schools around the types of um, programs and professional development and opportunities for students to interact and engage um, in a very collaborative way. We recognize that each school is independent in their governance and in the what their brand Mm -hmm. and what they want to offer and our schools have a variety of different programs that they offer. But we also see that as the member organization, there's great opportunities for interconnection, collaboration, sharing, and learning from one another. So as we are only a small number of schools, we do represent a fairly large number of students in our schools. Somewhere around about 27,500 students attend our 45 schools. So it's quite a large um, group. And uh, so we have, I think, a fairly big impact on the overall um, private or independent school experience in the province.
0: Or even the educational landscape in general. Like, yeah. uh, While I was talking to Patty McDonald a few weeks ago, she had this amazing point that I had never thought of, that independent schools actually connect as a model for all schools because there is some unique... Uh, resources that they have access to, and that they aren't bound by the same kinds of rules and structures that a more public school would have. So you actually can, in a way, model what is possible for all schools.
1: Well, and I think I might add to that to say that one of the things that's interesting about independent schools is that they are almost like uh, an entire school board mm. in and on to themselves, in that they have um, their own. Um, structures and departments in internally within the school itself that sort of might mirror some of the structures that are in a larger public school Mm -hmm. system Um, but that allows them to be nimble to make decisions quickly to change direction quickly Mm -hmm. and to resource things maybe in a faster way Mm -hmm. than that can happen in a system that has you know a lot more bureaucracy to it I get that so, what do you love the
0: most about
1: being the Executive Director of CIS Ontario? Well, I would say two things in particular. Uh, so, our two, two big things that we do. One, I mentioned interschool student experiences. Mm. So, I love interacting with students who are interacting with each other. Um, from school to school so we have athletics events um, through the CISAA uh, which are fantastic we run many many different leagues every sport you can think of from snowboarding to badminton to soccer to football rugby um, it's just really exciting to um, to know that students have that opportunity for for high quality interactions, collaboration, and and friendly competition. So the athletics is one, but also we offer lots of arts programs. Mm -hmm. Um, We have a huge music festival um, at Roy Thompson Hall in April where around 12 to 1400 musicians come together and they collaboratively uh, are organized into orchestras, bands, and choirs, and they spend an intensive weekend rehearsing together, and then they put on a world-class con- uh, concert for their family and friends, mm. and it is absolutely magical, because Roy Thompson is the best place to put mm. on a concert. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are a couple of examples. Uh, the other, the second thing I love is professional development. Um, I've always been a curriculum leader throughout my career, and so giving... Uh, High-quality opportunities for teachers and educators in general to learn and grow together is just the best thing for me. Um, But also in this role, I also get to provide professional development for some of the non-teaching staff Mm. in our schools as well. So our admissions and enrollment management personnel, alumni relations... Uh, the business officers getting together and meeting uh, the executive assistants get together so that's also really fun too because those professionals are also uh, creating such a rich school environments for our member schools and have so much to contribute so
0: I love that your answer was really essentially (laughs) about the learning. Like It was about students, and it's about people learning how to become better, which is
1: exactly why you're in this role, I imagine, because you're all about the teaching and the learning. And about the people. I Mm -hmm. mean, it's all about the interactions. It's so fun to come to professional development events and meet uh, educators from all over. I mean, that's one thing I say, that uh, I've been in this network since 1999 when I started at Upper Canada, and I'm a pretty social educator, and i love pd so i knew a lot of people in our network Mm -hmm. but when i came into this role just over a year ago my educator network blossomed (laughs) by you know tens and tens and tens and it's so much bigger than ever before and the high quality people that we have in our member schools in CIS Ontario has just been mind blowing to me mm-hmm. and the great work that they're doing in the classroom outside of the classroom but all in service of student learning and all in service of students having the best possible education experience that they can have so that for me has been incredibly empowering mm-hmm. and impactful and
0: refreshing i imagine like just to be able to You travel a lot, you go to a lot of different schools, but it must be so energizing to be surrounded by so many really incredible sparkly humans. It is. While we're recording this, we're actually at the first face-to-face for Cohort 21. We might be able to hear the background noise. Yes. And it's just so amazing to be surrounded by people who are so passionate about teaching and learning and students and getting better.
1: Absolutely. Well, Cohort 21 really is... I would say, our signature professional development program because instead of being a one-and-done one-day conference or a one-day meeting event, it's actually a year-long professional learning engagement that has layers of connections and collaboration, both face-to-face with four face-to-face meetings and also online. And I know you've spoken to both of the um, the, the brains behind Cohort 21 and the, the lead organizers, uh, Garth Nichols and Justin Medved, on this podcast. So uh, I won't go into too much more detail, but just to say that uh, Cohort 21 has grown and um evolved every year Mm -hmm. over the past six years to be what it is today and this year it's very exciting because we do have the largest group Mm -hmm. that we've ever had and we have the highest um, engagement with our coaches and our facilitators so you know the layers of leaders Mm -hmm. and opportunities for people to make an impact back in their schools has just gotten exponentially bigger and bigger each year from you know Seven years ago, when it was a fairly small group that got it started,
0: mm-hmm.
1: well, we all could sit around a table. Like at the very first year, there was yeah. maybe
0: fourteen. I might be making that number up, but everyone could fit around a long table right. in the <laughs> York School Library before they got renovated. Um, but and I think
1: we're somewhere, it's somewhere sixty-five people here today. Yeah, I think. with if you with count the all the coaches
0: and facilitators, I think it's about. Sixty-five, because yeah. I think that there's just over 50 participants. Yeah. Um but it's what what I think is also tremendous is that there's people who are part of the learning of Cohort 21 that have never, you know, actually signed up for it. So there's people who read the blogs that are getting learning from this experience, who will listen to the podcast that are never actually setting foot in a CIS Ontario school, but they're still part of the learning, which is just opening the doors.
1: Absolutely. I don't know if this story has been shared on your podcast, but I know that uh, Justin Garth told me that, uh, you know, one of the universities actually um, that has an education program here in Ontario actually recommends or makes it a course requirement that students follow the cohort 21 blogs and mm-hmm. webpage um, as an example of a really great professional learning experience so that of course is pretty yeah. exciting to see that our impact goes beyond our community um, mm-hmm. into the larger educational landscape and of course this podcast is doing that as well
0: yeah and i think that's kind of the point of what independent schools can be because you know just by virtue of what people at independent schools charge it is an elite institution and I think some of the I don't know for lack of a better word karmic balancing of not being able to accept anybody into these schools means that I think we have a tremendous responsibility to share best practices with all teachers all students everywhere that we can we can promote best teaching and learning at every single school.
1: Absolutely. And yet, and in our independence, as I said earlier, each school can have, you know, their own unique mandate, approach, Mm -hmm. vision, mission, values, and they do. And yet there's also a great shared commitment to Mm -hmm. you know the best teaching and learning possible and learning from each other and among our schools so something like cohort 21 really brings that to life um, because educators who might not have had a chance to meet each other from different schools um, really have the opportunity through this networking opportunity network Networking PD and can be friends and will be friends and colleagues. Um, you know beyond the one year that they spend in the cohort
0: yeah it's not even a one-year program like I actually feel like for somebody to come in and just do it for one year is maybe the exception to the rule now because so so many people are now coming on as coaches or coming back for like a little share or they're still blogging like exactly to say it's just a one-year experience is like literally the bare minimum that we hope from people
1: And then last year, my first year, what was exciting is we decided to take the energy around um, Cohort 21 and some of the concepts around how the teaching and learning for the educators is done through some design thinking models and um, incubator-style innovation-driven professional learning. And we uh, created a one-day conference called CIS Ontario Connects um, in late January, which we will be having again this year on January 28th. Can't wait. uh, uh, 2019. Um, And really... uh, just have that opportunity is is also a chance for maybe people who are are interested in the cohort experience would like to know a bit more to come to sort of a one-day incubator style pd where they are really engaged in generating the content and i think that some of those people that attended that conference then were motivated Mm. to sign up um, for cohort 21 through their schools which is exciting as well i love that so, if you had some kind of magical
0: educational wand, yes. and which I'm bestowing to you right now, <laughs> yes. and you could wave this wand and alter one thing about schools education,
1: what would you change? Well, I think what I would change is any systems or structures that are in our schools that really limit students Uh, voices and their choices um, in a way that makes them feel you know less empowered or marginalized in any way so I think independent schools do a really good job of giving students that empowered voice and our schools have all kinds of things in place that allow students to make lots of big decisions to take action about things that they want to do to make a lot of choices in the type of learning they do Um, But there's still schools, there's still institutions. And I think in this age of innovation, um, it's so exciting to see so many of our schools looking at models that are taking down some of those really institutional systems or barriers that might uh, prevent students from from really expressing themselves um, and really making choices about their own education.
0: Yeah, that sounds like a good thing to wave your wand for. I would definitely get behind (laughs) that. Um, And then you have so many things that you're aware of that are happening at CIS Ontario schools. I kind of think that you have a bit of a bird's eye view and can kind of look at the whole picture. So tell us one or two things that really excite you that are happening in CIS Ontario schools or about to happen perhaps.
1: Well, one area that I think is is super exciting and is definitely an area of passion for me and was before I came into this role is the, the whole idea of wellness and well-being. Mm. And I see that becoming, um, rising up within the strategic uh, direction yeah. of a lot of our schools, new roles being created within our schools where leadership is being given to the well-being of students, the well-being of employees, uh, the well-being of the school community as a whole. And and that can encompass so many things, uh, it's, it's well-being in their learning environments. It's it's well-being in our personal lives Mm -hmm. and how that intersects when we come to school. Um, And really making choices so that people can be at their best. Students can be at their best. The educators who work with them can be at their best. And the greater community can support them. So I'm really excited about that. And I feel like there's a lot of momentum because many of our schools are exploring exciting things in this area. Mm -hmm. So some schools are really invested in the positive psychology movement, Mm -hmm. looking at uh, models that can support that. Some of our schools are really focusing on um, health and well-being programs around uh, healthy nutrition, Mm. completely revamping their school cafeterias and the kind of food that they serve. Some schools are really focusing on daily physical activity opportunities and really changing um, the structure of the day so students have more opportunities to be active during the day. And I think our schools have always done well on all of these thro- fronts, but they're looking at it through a new lens that really sort of mirrors what we're seeing in in the business world and mm-hmm. in the greater sort of in community, global community. You can't go on the web now without seeing something about health and well-being. And of course, mental health is a big part mm-hmm. of that as well, and really... Creating roles in our school where there's people that have expertise in supporting Mm -hmm. um, uh, Healthy mental health
0: That's a great way of putting it Um, So on every show Sarah we do a ticket out the door sure which is our way to send you off into the universe and then collect Every last morsel of information we can from our guests Uh, So it's a random pile of questions sure which you cannot be prepared for okay. Let's do it. Yes
1: what is your favorite book to read to young people? Oh, something, um, oh, I have so many of them. This is a hard <laughs> one. Um, I would say, okay, so one that I've always had uh, fun with is um, Mortimer Mortimer. Mm-hmm. Love it. So, so funny. So um, funny. Classic Canadiana. Classic
0: Canadiana, yeah. yeah. If you weren't in education, what would you be doing professionally?
1: I have sort of a secret passion for um, sort of interior design and design. So, uh, you know, I think I probably would be if I was completely out of the education field, Uh I might want to do something like
0: that. Amazing. What is your favorite Canadian airport? I say this to somebody who I know travels a lot.
1: Yes. Well, I'm heading to Calgary uh, tonight, actually, but I haven't, uh, and I've been to Calgary out Airport in a long time, so I'm not going to say it's my favorite. I would have to say <laughs> Vancouver, yeah. because I love the totems and just the West Coast, Pacific Northwest mm-hmm. feel, and the indigenous um, spirit that you feel in that airport. They did a really nice revamp for yeah. the Olympics. Yeah. I really it's enjoyed beautiful. that one, too.
0: Yeah. Uh, What is the first thing you do at the start of the day?
1: First thing I do is I get myself a cup of coffee and I sort of run through the the day I try to take every day a little bit of time for some mindfulness mm. just kind of to set some intention for the day and then typically I ch- get on my email yep. and try to cross as many things off, a- off my list while I'm having my first cup of coffee as mm. I can um, sort of almost like a pre- work day. Yeah. Um, you're an early exercise. riser too. I am. Most days I wake up around, I get up around six, although lately it seems to be five thirty. So yeah. that's not really necessarily intentional. That's waking up before the alarm. <laughs> it's not a bad thing though. If you're actually waking up before the
0: alarm, the alarm doesn't seem quite as offensive when that's that happens. True. Uh, what is the first thing you do
1: when you get home at the end of the day? Great question. Um, that's, I, I think it varies. I mean, one of the things that's unique about this role that I'm in is that I'm not in a regular routine mm-hmm. of a school anymore. So for 23 years, I went to school every day as an educator. And of course, I went to school many years before that as a student. <laughs> um, and now, for over the last year, my s- schedule varies from day to day. Sometimes I'm at an event. Sometimes I'm working from my home office. Sometimes I'm at the CIS Ontario office in Whitby, and you know, sometimes I'm on the road. What I would say is. To maybe sort of answer the question in a different way, one thing that's changed is I'm in my car a lot more, Ooh, so mm. I am listening to podcasts a lot in mm-hmm. my car, like this one. And I've had to change some of my um, some of my habits because I used to have like a ten less than ten minute commute, mm-hmm. so I hard, I was hardly in the car at all. <laughs> and now, <laughs> yeah, I feel like the car is a little bit of a second home. I get that.
0: I get that. What is your favorite school safe snack?
1: Probably like um, fruit, Mm -hmm. apple. um, If it was something sweet, maybe something like a Rice Krispie square or something like that. Like old school? Yeah. Super I kind of grew up in the 70s. And so some of those old school comfort treats mm-hmm. that. Uh, oh, they never go like, wrong. You know, just mac
0: and cheese. Like all craft, the yeah, mac and oh. cheese,
1: craft dinner the
0: and classic kind from the yeah. box that's like slightly radioactive. Exactly. So good. Yeah. Um, so Cohort 21 has the tagline, the future. Rethinking learning for the 21st century. Absolutely. As you are well aware.
1: So I want to ask you to close off today. What
0: is the future
1: of learning? I think the future of learning is empowerment, student agency, students having a larger voice and more choices in their learning. So whether they're making more choices about how they learn, what they learn, we're living in a time where information is everywhere. You can find information. It's what you do with that information, how you think about it critically and creatively, how you innovate with it, uh, mm-hmm. what um, your goals are for uh, the future, all of those things, what you make and put it out into the world. Um, and I think that just that is going to be a big, cha- is, is a big change. and. Education in the 20th and 21st century has not been, there hasn't been a lot of change. Mm. Go into schools, they look fairly similar, and they have looked fairly similar for over 100 years. Um, But I feel like there's change that's coming. There's a lot of disruption Mm -hmm. happening, and uh, I do think that the next 20 years we'll see a lot of change in schools as institutions, and they're gonna look a lot different. And hopefully, the students are the ones that are gonna be really part of why that change happens. Such great words to end on.
0: How can people find you on the socials? What are your okay. handles? Yes. Where do you exist?
1: So I tweet at Ms. Sarah Craig. Um, and I'm pretty active I also uh, we have two other CIS Ontario accounts so at CIS Ontario and then um, I don't know if I know the handle but we have the women's network we'll put that in we the started channels. last year as well it's a lean-in um, uh, at CIS lean-in I think Um, but Celeste you can can correct that Um, and we have two hashtags that we use Oh, and we also have at cohort 21 as Mm -hmm. well and then two hashtags that we use frequently uh, obviously hashtag cohort 21 but also hashtag CISOPD we're also active I'm active and the association is active on LinkedIn Mm -hmm. as well and our website which is CISOntario.ca
0: A warm thank you to Sarah Craig for taking the time during the Cohort 21 face-to-face session to sit down and record with me. I actually really loved hearing the energy and vibrancy of the learning around us as we chatted, as it almost felt like we were just completely surrounded by powerful conversations about teaching and learning. If you haven't yet left us a review on iTunes, what are you waiting for? This show is free. It will always be free. And if you're getting some value out of what you hear, I just ask that you share the love by filling out a quick review to help us know how we are doing. That's all the time we have for today, folks. Keep learning from each other. And remember, we are teaching tomorrow.